Welcome to The Porch Cast, the podcast where we talk about being a creative business owner and all the crazy ups and downs that go along with that. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, and I can't wait to get started. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Porch Cast. I'm really excited to introduce to you my guest, Tracy Matthews, today. She is a jewelry designer. Uh, based in New York City, and she also runs a coaching business for jewelry designers called Flourish and Thrive, um, as well as she hosts a podcast called Thrive by Design. And she's really passionate about helping creatives preserve their creativity, uh, grow their businesses, and inspiring people along the way. So Tracy, I'm so excited to have you on today. Kristen, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So As a jewelry designer, was that something that you had done for a really long time or like how did how did that part of your business get started before it has expanded into all the things that it is today? Like, what was that very beginning phase of your creative business like? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm I'm older than I look and I started my first company back in the 90s. So I've been around for a long time. Uh, But I found, you know, jewelry making through an elective that I took at school. There was this jewelry making class. I happened to be good at it and I was working in fashion and retail to put myself through college. And so um, I had, it was sort of the beginning of the emerging designer scene. So I started in one of the boutiques I was working at, I started seeing all these uh, beautiful jewelry designers creating this amazing stuff. And so after I'd taken that class, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then the validation was really when people started wanting to buy stuff that was on my neck. So I started selling the jewelry as a side hustle in the beginning and then launched my business full-time in 1998. And uh, it's been through many iterations since that point, (laughs) ups and downs, including a failed business, (laughs) failed first business. And now I am mentoring designers and helping them run successful businesses. I love it. So that first section of time or (laughs) getting into, I know it's like, we, you know, we just evolve in so many ways when we're a creative business. It's like, it starts here and then it moves to here and then moves to here. Um, Was there any like pivotal point or something that happened where you were like, this is, this is a moment I could like totally throw in the towel and like quit, or I could like lean in and make this like, make this something beautiful. (laughs) I mean, there have been so many moments like that. I mean, I don't think that really ends. You know, there's a lot of highs and lows in entrepreneurship and you just have to kind of be prepared for it. Um, I think the biggest like thing that most people know about in my career is that my first business failed. And so actually it was, let me reframe that. It was taken out in the 2008 recession. So my business back then was not, was basically a fragile business model because I was only selling in 95% of my revenue came from one revenue stream, which was uh, selling to wholesale stores. Now, no one would have ever predicted, similar to what's happening now with COVID, like a pandemic or something as crazy as the stock market crash of 2008. When that happens, and anytime something like this happens, one of the first things that's affected is brick and mortar retail. And so, um, you know, at that point, I was working with a consultant, and that's why I really believe masterminds and coaching. I know you run a mastermind. masterminds, coaching, having outside eyes on your business is so valuable because at the time when I could afford it less, I was spending more money on a consultant slash like mentor (laughs) um, to kind of help me through this because I really couldn't see what I needed to see. And so I think 
um, just as a little bit of sidebar here, like anyone who is struggling right now, and I don't know exactly when this is going to go live, but you're struggling to figure things out. Um, if you're considering hiring a mentor or working in a group or a mastermind, I think it's really this times like this are when it's most valuable because it helps cut through a lot of the things that you can't see. So I was working with this guy, Phil, and he would sit me down in his office and say, you know, Tracy, we can do many things here. We can restructure and save this business. Doesn't seem like you're really passionate about it anymore. You keep talking about how you hate managing people and you hate your life and you hate going into the office and all these things. You can, we can close it, which means you're probably gonna have to file for bankruptcy because of all the outstanding debt um, and potentially start over and do something different. And so through a series of like really deep questions and him pushing me to like make, uh, basically make a decision and also answer these tough questions, I realized that uh, the business that I had built and that I thought was supposed to be my legacy was something just like the beginning of my, you know, what I, who I'm going to be known for. And so I made the tough choice to close that business, which was really hard because I had some really amazing retail accounts that I really wanted to keep. But part of the bankruptcy agreement was that I had to kind of just, I wasn't able to sell to them anymore or had to do something different. And so I started a new jewelry business doing, um, custom jewelry because what I really loved was working one-on-one -on -one with the clients. And I also wanted to really build a business that supported the kind of life I wanted to lead and um, basically going to trade shows all the time and competing with thousands of other designers because over the course of 11 years that I had, uh, I closed, I think I closed the business in 2009, but I had Tracy Matthews Designs uh, Inc. There, there were a lot of ups and downs, but like so many jewelry designers were coming onto the scene in, at that time. And so uh, competition was harder, which I'm fine with, but just that there were shifts in the market. And I realized that if I was gonna keep doing this, like either needed to like kind of move with the market if I wanted to kind of play in that fashion world, or I could do something where I was designing really important pieces for people that they really valued that were actually something that made a difference in their, and I'm going to say in their everyday life, because it was something that was so meaningful. And so that was sort of when I made that shift and decided to make a difference. Cause my first business, you know, we were shipping thousands of units a month, like thousands. We, I sold to like the best stores in the world, like Anthropology and Bloomingdale's and um, ABC home and uh, Sundance catalog and some really incredible accounts. Um, and you know, for me to like kind of shift from that to work on this like more one-on-one -on -one model, it was different, but also I realized that, you know, I was able to do something so much more valuable for the people that I served that it was really changing things. And so that took off super quickly because I learned so much about how to run a business. Like I'd already figured out all the trial and error stuff <laughs> in the first 11 years. And so the next business like took off really quickly. It was, um, I was making more money personally than I did in my business that was shipping thousands of units a month in a very short period of time. And uh, then after that, you know, I started getting, I mean, I, this had been happening for many years, but I would get designers who would reach out saying like, hey, can I pick your brain or can you meet for coffee? Like I've been following your work for a long time and they want business advice. And so um, after a couple of times, just like, trying to help them a little bit through email and stuff. I was like, you know what? I think the best thing to do is to create a formal arrangement. So I started consulting and then um, quickly realized that the most leveraged way to do this would be to develop courses and programs and 
uh, do it more in a group nature or where there were, where it wasn't just revolved around me because then I could help more people. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that's how, that's how we kind of launched Flourish and Thrive Academy and that we've been around for about eight years now and we help the jewelry industry and aspirational product businesses and it's fun. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> And I want to like back up a little bit and go back. Yeah, there's to, a lot in there. <laughs> no, I love it so much. I like, I'm excited to dive in more. Um, when you made the shift from your first business to your second business, and you mentioned you like, you wanted a business that supported the kind of life you wanted to have mm-hmm. more. Like, what were some of those things for you? Like now having done it one way and then having an opportunity to restructure, do it completely differently, like what was important to you in this new version as far as like personally too? Well, so I worked in retail right before I was, I started my company. And so one of the things I hated about retail was working on the weekends and uh, having to work through the holidays and all this stuff. So when I started this new business, I was like, I don't want to work on weekends. And I also, you know, be careful what you say that you don't want because you end up doing um, and I also don't want to work during the holidays, and but I was still having to do that because a lot of the major trade shows and the biggest shopping time for the jewelry industry is during all these times when there's holidays. And so I just, I got exhausted. And so what I did know that I wanted to do was to have something that paid me uh, a multiple six-figure salary that I was making that, that it was easy to manage so that I wasn't having to like... Um, be pulled in like so many directions every single day. I mean, I've recreated that in a new business, but, um, but everything's virtual. So it makes it easier. So I didn't, I wanted to have location independence and I also wanted to have as little overhead as I possibly could. I didn't know if it was going to be possible. I just wanted to test and see. And the other thing is, is that I wanted to be able to travel and work from anywhere. And so that meant that I had to set up a manufacturing system so that it wasn't required to do it in house or in uh, my studio but instead I could outsource it to local jewelers in the New York city area so that I could, um, so that I would be able to see my siblings and their kids grow up. So, uh, mostly that my siblings at that time were starting to have children and they were babies and I was missing out on a lot of stuff because I was stuck at these trade shows and couldn't, could only travel for a short, a short period of time during the holidays. And it was kind of messing up my ability to kind of be an aunt to, to them. So, that was really the, the grounding factors. And I felt, feel like that I was working so hard that I kind of really figured out how to really be a visionary. And instead I was just managing a bunch of stuff. And so I knew that I wanted to start doing that more. And that was, I didn't even know what it was called at the time, but I'm like, I don't want to be the person who's like doing all the work. I want to be the person who's like leading the orchestra kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is so hard for people to let go of, like let go of the um, like creatives that I work with. I'm sure you see this with designers you work with too, of like, we want, we feel like we have to have our hands on every single piece of the business. Yeah. And when you can like let that go, (laughs) you're like, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My boyfriend, Jason is actually an integrator and he has a different approach. And we've had like many discussions about this because he's like, the visionary needs to understand like how, much work it, it takes because an integrator is the one like making all the stuff happen. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not like we got in this discussion one day because he's like, you really have no idea sometimes when you're assigning like all this stuff to your team, like how long it's actually going to take to pull it off. 
And like, you're right, but no one ever tells me. So how am I supposed to know? And so like one of the things that we've been working with, cause he's been helping me a lot with my business lately is to try and get a feedback loop going between the, um, basically the founder or the creative or the visionary who's like leading the, leading the company through the team so that there's a clear understanding of how long things take so that you're not like overwhelming your team. Because I think, and that's a little bit of a sidebar, but I think a lot of times what ends up happening is like someone like me comes in and like, I have this big idea, like, let's go do all these things. And then like, okay, now go do it. And then everyone's like, where do we start? And do I put this other things on the side? Like, how do I prioritize? And uh, it can cause a lot of havoc in companies. And like, so you hear that thing, like the crazy visionary. Well, the reason why they're called crazy is because there isn't that feedback loop knowing like how much, how much work it actually takes. So it's a work in progress always. <laughs> well, yeah, totally. No, but that's a really good point. Um, it's like, we also have to kind of put ourselves back in those shoes a little bit too. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, just because I have a million good ideas today. Yeah. <laughs> I try to always think that with my team too. Of like, I have another idea. It doesn't mean you have to do it right now. I'm just telling you. <laughs> um, so, okay. So um, new business launched. It took off. Um creating custom pieces. So you had, um, you were creating something more unique for each client. Um, but you were, you weren't having to manufacture so much ship so much. You would have really had like boiled it back to just the stuff that you really loved. Yeah. So, I mean, I was working, I do design fine jewelry now. So it's each piece, you know, I could maybe one order is like the same as one piece of jewelry, you know, in my old business. So, um, yeah, I've designing engagement rings primarily and heirloom redesigns. So they're super special pieces for the clients. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you, you asked me a question, didn't you? And I just didn't even answer. Yeah, that. no. So it's like le- less, but more, more yeah. of the fine art, hands-on, like high touch kind of thing. Um, yes. And did that free you up? Like, did that create more space in your life to be able to then launch this coaching business and do the podcast and other things. Cause I think a lot of times we're like, how are we supposed to do anything else besides just what's right here? But like you would, you have this whole new structure of your business. What was that? What did that look like for you? Well, for a long time I was doing, working, like doing three things like at the same time. So I had my jewelry company and I knew if I got five to 10 customers a month that I would be hitting my revenue goal, depending on the price point of each piece of jewelry. So I was able to kind of compartmentalize that. I was also teaching yoga because when I was rebuilding, um, I had to, I wanted to make sure that I had some like money coming in so that I I felt secure in like my rent and like basic necessities were paid for. And then uh, on this, and then I was doing some freelancing gigs for a while for other jewelry companies uh, that, cause I was recruited for it. And it actually was helpful when I had the idea for flourish and thrive. I just started laying it out. And, you know, one of the things that helped me do this is that instead of trying to figure it out all myself, I would hire people that could tell me what to do. And so the first person I hired was this woman, Natalie Lussier, who was helping people with launches back then, because I sort of knew what to do. I'm like really good at like watching what people do and then sort of like recreating that, like the system for myself, like coming up with it myself sometimes is a little bit harder, but so um, I'd seen what she had been doing in her company and I'd also been following some people that I followed online. So I just wanted, I had the whole thing mapped out, but I wanted her to, I wanted someone to take a look at it. So doing that was really helpful. And I, when, after I started Flourish and Thrive in 2012 with my co-founder, Robin, 
uh, we, I think we're both, I think I was working, doing like the three things um, until maybe like the a one year in. And then I was like, finally, I um, got hurt in a dance class and I tore my calf muscle. And so I couldn't teach yoga for like six weeks. And after that, I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I, so I never went back. And it was kind of the universe saying like, you got to pull back because you have to start focusing on, on the things. And it, it's been really important for me to walk the walk. And while I, I understand how all business models and the jewelry industry and um, product-based companies work, because I understand inventory, I understand uh, cost of goods and like all the things that are involved in running that kind of business and like an education company, because they're very different, it's always really important for me to still have a jewelry business and still be working with people. So while over the past maybe two years, I've dialed that back a little bit as uh, compared to what's uh, what I usually have on my plate, it's still important for me to continue designing jewelry because like now another third thing is coming in and I need to make space for that. So it's for me, it's just really about juggling things and then also knowing what to get off your plate and when. I think that's like really a gift that I have um, that a lot of people don't and or they don't, it's not that they don't have it. I think that they just, I think a lot of times when we start a business, I don't know if this resonates with you and the people you mentor, but we can kind of become control freaks, controlling over like what we have. And we think that no one else can do it as good as we can. And uh, that may or may not be true. You know, more will be revealed, I guess you don't really know. Um, but what I do know is that if you don't think your plate, even if it's not done as well as you could do, that uh, you'll never be able to really grow because you're always going to be stuck as the person like doing all the things. And so it's a huge shift in mind, mindset. It's a huge leap of faith because I think it's really hard for a lot of people. Um, and now I've just become like a master delegator almost to a, a fault <laughs> in a way, because I'm just getting things off my plate, like left and right. But yeah, no, I totally relate to that. Cause I, for, I have been doing photography for 10 years and for like most of that time, I was like, I have to do everything. I have to be, yeah. you know, the only person that talks to my clients ever. And when I started letting things go, I was like, why have I not done this sooner? What was I doing? I know. <laughs> I'm like, and then things, yeah, they shoot up because you have, you not, you're like not the bottleneck anymore, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> what were some of the first things do you, like you remember delegating or like letting go of? And then how has that evolved over the years? In all of my business, like the first thing that I got off my plate was always like bookkeeping and like that kind of administrative work. Um, I did it for a little bit in when I started the second jewelry company, like for maybe a few months. And I'm just like, you know what? This is taking me so much time. Even if I just created like a small little budget that I could hire a bookkeeper for, then like I'm going to be in such a better shape because like the maybe let's just say 10 hours of time that I was spending a month trying to do this is going to take someone else, like literally an hour. And I think that's when, I think the, the easiest way to identify is like when something takes you a long time. And so bookkeeping was the first thing. And then it started to being like technology stuff because um, while I can do it and figure it out and stuff like that, I just don't like it. And so um, I, I soon hired a VA <laughs> and that virtual assistant started like setting up the emails that I was sending out and building like the tech stuff, updating my website. So I wasn't doing that. So I think, and I think the best way to filter this is like, what is the best use of your time? 
Is it getting new customers, which the answer is always 100% yes, or shipping out your order, ship, doing the shipping or the you know, administrative work. I think a lot of times people spend more time on the administrative stuff of a business because it feels good because you're checking things off a list, but that's not really like the most leverage um, use of your time. And so I like to think of it through a filter of like, what is going to bring the most money into the business? What is it that is the only thing that I can do, you know, which typically is ideation, vision, um, you know, big, bigger picture planning and concepts. Um, and then what else can I get off my plate? And it doesn't mean that you don't ever go back to doing some of those things because right now um, we're a little bit short staffed at Flourish and Thrive. And I've been doing a lot of the copywriting. And <laughs> the interesting thing is when I, when I am the copywriter for the company, um, we actually sell a lot more via email, which is interesting. I think because I'm just already living it and I am them. But I also know that if I'm going to be able to reach my goals, like I'm in the process of hiring another copywriter. So I got to get that person hired and trained soon or else, you know, I'll always be stuck in that spot. So it's finding the balance, I think. It's not that you can always not go back to those things, but um, being able to identify what's, what's the most, the best use of your time. Actually, copywriting probably is a good use of my time, but it does take a lot of time. <laughs> I know. No, I have the same, the same, uh, you know, fight in my own head of like, it does make a difference when I write the emails, but also like I never send them if I'm in charge of them. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, so how does this in particular play into preserving creativity? A lot of the stuff that you coach or lean into, like, um, is it, like what, what's the most important part for the people you coach of keeping that um, creative resilience or that like just a little bit different than everyone else? How do you kind of encourage people to do that? Well, it depends on who I'm talking to because it's different for every type of person. But I really believe that everyone's creative. You know, this whole, I started a um, platform last year called Creatives Rule the World. And the reason why this was so important to me is because over time I would sit there and talk to people and they're like, they'd be fascinated in what I did. Like, oh, you make jewelry. Like, that's so cool. Or you're doing this. Or they didn't understand like online business or education or any of these things. And they're fascinated by it. So I would be taking, they're like, and they would always, a lot of times people would say, I don't have a creative bone in my body, but then they, something about what they do is highly creative. And so I started kind of investing like digging deeper into this idea of like how important really is creativity to success and I started like when I started connecting the dots I realized like you know when my businesses are doing the best it's when I'm being when I'm spending the most time being creative but what I realized now backtracking to my first business what I realized as part of the problem that I was having there and I didn't realize this till many years later was that I was not protecting myself and my creativity. Instead, I would like start the day and launch in. I would have so much anxiety before I would go to the office because I was like, I knew that the questions were never going to stop and I didn't have any boundaries. And um, at the end of the day, I, I either would like go home and work or like stay late after everyone left so that I could get stuff done. And I'm like, this is no way to have a life. And I kept interviewing people and hearing people with the same problem. Like I'm, I, don't like this business anymore because all I do is manage people or um, I am, you know, I have my team and they're um, interrupting me all day. So I can't get any work done. And so I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. So like, what is the solution to that problem? So I started 
I had done this at different points in my career, even in the first business, but I hadn't realized how, what a disservice I was doing by not setting better boundaries that, um, as a founder of a company, like your goal is to be the driver of sales and revenue because a visionary, no matter what, like the visionary of the company, they want the ones coming with the ideas. They might not be the ones actually making the sales, but they are going to be the ones who are coming up with the ideas to like actually make the sale. So it's typically a founder, um, that, uh, that, that time that a lot of people discount as maybe like open or free time because it, do, it doesn't feel like you're getting anything done because it's not like there's no agenda. It's very loose, right? Is the most valuable time that you need to be spending. So if you need to be doing that and you're ending your weeks, not feeling like you've done the things that you need to do or produce the work that you need to do, or that you had, you know, you wanted to be able to think on something, but you didn't have the time, like what's preventing you from doing that. And oftentimes it's that we're getting distracted. We're focused on the wrong things. We're shifting gears too often, you know, from one thing to the next. Like the best is when I see someone like, oh, I'm going to like sandwich this creative time in between two meetings. And your brain like doesn't really work that way. It's like you need to have the space in order to be creative. And so I can't remember the book that I read, but I read a book and they talked about this 20% time that Google had where they started doing creative days. And some of the best ideas from Google came out of these creative days. And so before um, I even had read about that, I was doing that myself. I was like taking one day a week to have, there were no meetings were allowed to be planned. No one on my team could message me. Like everyone had the rules. Like if you need an answer from me, ask me another time. Sometimes I break the rules and I do answer them because it's important to move things forward. But I also knew that if I didn't do that, then some of the bigger things that I wanted to get off the ground were never going to get done because I needed the time to think about it. And the big mistake that I made in the first business was that I would show up to my day without a plan. My weeks were not structured because structure is the key to being the most creative is much as people don't like to think that, like the more structured you are, the more you'll get done and the more creative you'll be. Um, it go really goes against what we believe um, as creative thinkers, but, but it's the most important thing. And creativity takes space. So if you're working on a big project or planning or anything like that, you have to have a lot of time because typically the, the you get into the flow like two or three hours in and that's when the best ideas come. It's not like you sit down and say, oh, I'm going to be creative now. Nothing's coming. Nothing's coming. <laughs> right. It's like when you go to try to write a book or write something, you're like, ideas, come on, ideas. They're like, ah. <laughs> But creativity can be formed out of habit, right? So if you show up and you're doing the work and just like getting out there, you know, I'm like in the process of writing a book too. And I pivoted a little bit because I developed a signature talk first and then the book's going to come from that. Um, I'm actually writing two books, one for the jewelry industry and one for creative thinkers and visionaries. But the interesting part about it is that like when I would show up and like every morning, two hours to write, like I was making progress. But the second I blew that off, like I never got to it. And it's super easy to blow it off if you don't make it a priority, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it. and like same with, you know, date nights or self-care or creative dates. anything. <laughs> so and you don't have to get super specific, but like, what does this uh, week look like? Like, what do you always try to make sure you have space for in your week? 
well, Wednesday's my creative day. So nothing gets on the calendar that day. And it's usually the time that I spend working on ideas or bigger projects that I need to get done. And then Friday is sort of like the half day of that. You've had this goal on Fridays to take Fridays off for about um, six years. And it's been on my calendar, take the day off for six years. I never do, but, <laughs> but it's also all right. Cause like I, some, you know, when I'm living my normal life and we're not on lockdown, it's uh, you know, I have flexibility, so it's fine. Um, but like, Typically Mondays and Thursdays are days that I do calls or record my podcast. Uh, Tuesday, we have some meetings, but then it's like a creation day or delivery day for coaching. That's usually when the coaching is delivered. And then Friday is like a get it done kind of day. Like what, what do I need to tie up for the rest of the week? So that's typically how I structure it. But I try to only do calls and um, podcasts on for, for my podcast and for podcasts that I'm interviewed on Mondays and Thursdays, just because that's like two times during the week. And we try to figure, figure something out so that I'm in the right mindset to be able to do it. And my head's thinking about those things, you know? Totally. Yeah. Batch scheduling like that is something that I am. I'm like, it's so important, especially yeah. if you're creative to like give yourself those different like, um, batches of time. When did you, when did you realize you worked best that way? Was it just something you happened across or you tried a few different things or? Yeah, I call it time blocking. I I mean, I've been teaching it for eight years. Um, I don't know. I just started. I honestly can't remember, but I think it started probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit. I think I I hadn't really nailed this down in the first, you know, here's what happened. I know exactly what happened. I was teaching yoga. I'd be running all around New York city. I had to organize these, uh, my jewelry projects. I was also freelancing for another jewelry company, uh, that I got recruited for this like gig. They tried to hire me as a full-time employee, but I negotiated this contract position. And, um, I had only short windows of time that I could actually work on my business. And so I had to, like, I had to start scheduling. Like I knew how much time it took to commute to the yoga studios that I was teaching at. I knew how much time it was going to take me to run around the jewelry district. I oftentimes be carrying a backpack with, you know, my computer and all this stuff in it. So if I had like 30 minutes in between things that I could do it. And I like basically wore yoga clothes for, you know, during the day, every day, just so I could, or something that could transform into yoga clothes pretty quickly <laughs> during that time. And I, I think that's really where it started. I don't think I realized I was doing it, but I knew if I wanted to get things done, that I had to do it that way. And I'm really motivated by, um, this is gonna sound terrible, but I'm really motivated by money. And so I knew that the more um, productive that I could be during my working time during the day, like the more money I would be able to make. And so I had to be productive and that was the only way I could do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and especially when you have a ton of things that you're trying to fit in. Um, I think I started time blocking when I became a parent because I was like, yeah. I have like two days to get all this stuff done. <laughs> That's a good time to time block. <laughs> uh, um, well, I, I love that. And just like seeing your transition from um, the business that, that wasn't quite all the things you were hoping for and then moving it more based on your goals for your life and what you really wanted and then being able to help um, other creatives thrive through that. Um, now, like now that you have, you can look back, you know, like, you know, vision's always twenty twenty when you can like look back, yeah. but, um, now that you can look back, do you feel like going through that section of your business was important to now being in the position you're in mentoring? Like, 
how often do you reference back to kind of past things and be like this I'm glad I learned this even though that was not fun to go through at the time um do you have oh I do that all the time well I mean here's the thing um we had a designer in our community uh, post in our group last maybe last week or two weeks ago and she said to me she said she tagged me and she said to like our, our coaches and everything in the group and she was like you know I just have to recognize you guys here at Flourish and Thrive because you've been ahead of this since before COVID was even like really a thing because I've been prepping my audience for some sort of economic downturn for over a year and a half. We were in a really strong economy and because I was not paying attention to it in 2008, I was dating a guy at the time who um, kept saying like, oh, the worst is coming, doomsday. And I'm like, you're so negative, like blah, 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 blah. But he worked in finance. And so I think he was like seeing things in the market and I wasn't paying attention to it. And when I started like really just looking back at my career and, um, and started paying more attention to economic cycles, I'm like, we've been in a really strong economy for a long time. Something is going to shift no matter what. And it just, the truth of the matter is, is like something can't say strong for so long without some sort of correction. Now, no one could have ever predicted a pandemic so it came really fast and swift, sort of like the stock market crash in 2008. So immediately, like one of my biggest mistakes was thinking that something was going to change. So immediately I was like shifting the message. Like I basically had two months of podcast episodes recorded and I scrapped them all. And I was supposed to actually be uh, on a couple of uh, podcasts that were uh, recorded earlier in the year. And during that time, I noticed that they did the same thing. They just bumped the episode because the people who... Um, we're really on top of this. And so one of the things that she said, this girl, Natalie, she said, you know, you, the conversation you were having like basically six to eight weeks ago is what people are just starting to have now. And she's like, it's amazing. I want to thank you because, because of that, like I was able to get ahead of this and now like I'm having an increase in sales online. And so what I encouraged them to do in the beginning was like a lot of the designers are really suffering who have their primary business wholesale. And sometimes when it's a really strong revenue stream, like let's say a thir- three quarters of their business is wholesale jewelry, it can be tough because like in a time like this, brick and mortars closed, like basically like everything's closed and they have two months of expenses with no money coming in unless they were smart retailers and were selling the jewelry online. And they're not going to probably be able to take the orders or the orders are going to be pushed way out. And it, it's like a cyclical cash flow cycle. So I told them like, what can you do? Partner with the retailer. See if you can host a virtual trunk show. Focus on your direct-to-consumer online sales. Like keep getting out there, host virtual trunk shows, email more than regular, you know, all these things. And so the more that we could keep them on top of it, keep them on top of it, keep them on top of what they could control, the more empowered they felt and the less tragic this has been. The people who are like all panicking and freaking out and didn't do anything were the ones who are now trying to catch up saying, whoa, because... I think a big message or a big thing that people were worried about is like a lot of people are dying. Like, do people really want to buy jewelry right now? And, you know, it's hard because like one of the things, one of my best tips for anyone who wants to uh, keep creatively thriving (laughs) is to stop watching the news. Because I think uh, even though you want to stay informed, it is um, a creativity crusher. It's going to make you feel bad. Their job is to sell advertising slots. And they want to make you feel like doomsday is coming no matter what, because if you don't, then you'll stop watching their news channel. And so 
you know, did you, have you seen anything that John Krasinski's doing with some good news? Yeah, it's, it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> it's the best. And so like, you know, like that's the kind of news I watch is like something like that, like a funny YouTube channel. But I think it's important. Like I don't really pay attention to it. And um, when people start freaking out and over consuming the news, it prevents them from protecting themselves and their business. And while you want to stay informed, I'm not suggesting that you don't inform yourself, limit what you're watching and make sure that you're really watching from reliable news sources because a lot of the channels sway really far in different directions. And a lot of times it's not really the full truth or it's a partial truth or something like that. Um, and that, that's not a political thing. It's just the truth. Like they're trying to sell advertising spots. So they oh, yeah. make you feel panicked. <laughs> I know, and I think we forget that, that like the news is a business too, and they're trying yeah. to sell stuff. So we need yep. to just keep that in mind. <laughs> and so, um, part of that, like we, we got ahead of it right away and we started doing a lot of mindset work because a lot of the issues that people were having was like a feeling of guilt asking people for sales. But over and over again, one of our designers, Karina, 430% increase in sales. And she lost like during that time, like a lot of these people do in-person shows, like art shows and stuff like that. That show normally would bring in like, you know, five figures for her. And she replaced it just by reaching her customers online. She reached her past her May goal in two days. And there's stories of that over and over and over again. Designers like, you know, 200% increase, 500% increase of them because they're dealing with what they can control and people want to feel good right now. And so they're trying to bring some light and goodness to them. And the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people are, you know, so many people are spending so much time online. I mean, I've been shopping a lot more than I probably normally would. I mean, for two reasons, I moved to, uh, from New York to uh, <laughs> Fountain Hills, Arizona, like on March 15th until I can go back and uh, really enjoy New York again. And I left with two weeks worth of clothes. So <laughs> I'm like supplementing that, but also like, you know, I'm bored, like we're not doing anything. Like all we do is stay home. So it's like, <laughs> what yeah. else is there to do? <laughs> Except well, for like watch Netflix when your like brain's not working for work anymore or shop. <laughs> Exactly. No. And, and I keep saying like the world needs art right now. Like we need things that yes. are beautiful and that are inspiring yeah. and that help remind us that there's still beauty in the world. Um, because it's for photographers to sell prints, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's a similar, similar thing of yeah. if all of your work was, you know, brick and mortar out in person, it's really hard to to keep going. And I, so I love that you were ahead of it and were encouraging online sales. Is that something you like across the board, even before we're like, you should not, you should have a diversified income stream. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's been our focus for a really long time. I mean, I started a coaching program for jewelry designers and creative product businesses um, two and a half years ago. Uh, we're going through a rebrand of the name right now. It's, we're, and we're switching the name from SOS, Strategic Online Success, to uh, momentum uh, mastermind. And the reason that I was so focused on it is like, I knew something was going to shift. And like for people who were doubling down so much on wholesale and these art shows, like I didn't know that we didn't know that they were like anything was going to get canceled, but typically those types of things are the things that suffer first in a recession or a downturn, or now we're finding out a pandemic. So um, I'm like, you need to, you need to be able to reach people directly. So build your email list, email more than you feel comfortable because 
emailing more than you feel comfortable is the number one reason way that people make more sales in their business. And I think that what you want to make sure that you're doing is that when you're sending out those emails is that you're providing value to them, to people too, not just like pitching, but building that no factor, the like factor, the trust factor, and then, you know, building a rapport with your audience through the words or the images or whatever it is that you create. Totally. Yeah. And so already having that kind of strategy in place. So no matter what happens, whether it's right now or a year ago or a year from now, like those things will serve you really well, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it it helps you create what we call an anti-fragile business so that you're not just relying on one source of income. I mean, it was the biggest mistake that I made in, I think that the one thing that you can control is direct to consumer revenue. You can't control all the other stuff because, you know, people change their minds, you're dealing with other people. And really with a product-based business, your end, the person at the end of the line is your really your customer, the end consumer, not necessarily, I mean, the relationship was with the store maybe, but like the end consumer is really the fan, right? And that's the person you're trying to um, connect with. And so the more that you have those people that you're working with directly, the better it is to actually be able to have control of your business, which I think is important. Totally. Yeah. Cause, cause in your first business, you realize there's a big middleman in the yeah. way. <laughs> and when it goes away, if you only like, you know, online shopping wasn't really prevalent back then. And only 5% of my sales were direct to consumer back then. So it was definitely, you know, an awakening and I had a huge like overhead every like $60,000 a month overhead at that time. And you know, it was a lot of money that had to go out every single month just to keep the business running. So if you have one bad month, you're like, that's what happened. I mean, from October of, I tell this, I, it's written in articles, so I'm fine sharing this, but in October of 2007, we shipped $150,000 in October. That was always our biggest shipping month because it's right before holiday. Um, in October of 2008, we shipped 10 and my expenses didn't change, but the income did because like everything shut off, you know, basically. Yeah. Retail was canceled. And so like, I'm like, well, this, the same thing's happening here. Like stores are shut. Like they can't even sell unless they're selling online. So it's going to take some creative thinking and ways to partner with people in a different way or think differently about your approach to business in order to get it done. And I've seen some really cool stuff like uh, designers partnering with the retailers to do like having their own landing page on their website so that they could drop ship the product that was canceled. I see uh, designers coming together and hosting virtual art fairs with the people that they were, would have done the art fairs with. And then the regular, you know, just selling online. So there's so many things that you could do to actually continue on with whatever was planned, but you just have to think differently about how you're doing it. Totally. Yeah. So if someone maybe didn't, you know, see this, if they didn't plan ahead, if they were like, Ah, and just standing, you know, kind of standing frozen right now, what would be, I don't know, maybe some of your top tips for someone in any creative business that's like trying to get things rolling again. Um, or maybe they're in a place where they, they can't even think about moving forward. And do you have an, an advice for someone in that spot? Yeah. So for the first person or the person who can't think of moving forward, it's like, get to the bottom or the reason about why you can't move forward. Is it because you feel guilty? Is it some story you're telling yourself? Is it because you don't think people want to hear about you right now? Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you don't ask, you don't know. And so pretending like people 
making assumptions about what your audience wants or, or whatever, it, that's an assumption. It's not the truth. And I think that's the one thing that really surprised people because they were nervous about sending emails or reaching out and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm making sales and people are buying and they're buying a lot. You know, it's crazy. But someone said like, she's like, I have my first thousand dollar day in sales online ever yesterday. And I was like, cause she just put the offer out there and she was dealing with these mindset issues. I'm like, just try it. You don't know until you try. The second thing is, so the first thing is like work with your mindset. And the second thing is to just try, you know, put yourself out there. You don't know until you get the feedback. And, you know, one thing my boyfriend Jason says to me all the time, he's like, you know, we're very different because he like needs to think through things, you know, before he puts them out. And I'm, I don't really think through things at all, which is not like really the best way to do things. I think through like the high level, like, okay, what needs to happen? I just test it. And like, I don't feel bad if people don't respond. If it doesn't work, then we just don't move forward with it. And so I think the best thing that you can do is just try and see what happens. And if you do that and someone says yes, then, you know, you've, you have your answer. They say, no, you have your answer. Yeah. But yeah. And the third piece of it is just being really consistent in what you're doing. Continually put yourself out there. You know, um, I talked about email earlier, but the one thing that the designers who really were blowing their numbers out of the water is that they were emailing way more than they felt comfortable. Like typically they'd email like a couple of times a month every other day emails going out. And I'm like, that's, it's hard to do. Cause you feel like you're going to lose a bunch of people, but people are pay attention. You know, the people want to be there, pay attention and open it. And remember, not everyone opens every single email they get. So maybe they see one in five that you send, but maybe they would have never seen the one, the one that you sent because it gets buried in their inbox. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Staying consistent and not taking it. sounds like not taking it personally if something doesn't work the first time and just being like, yes. okay, I tried that. <laughs> and keep going. Yeah, I think, I think there's one more piece of it too, is to just really, um, have some quiet, I think take time, like maybe every day in the morning or whatever, or maybe it's one day a week, like I do, where you just have some quiet time to think think through stuff and let your mind just wander because sometimes the best ideas or um, things that you can put forth really happen during those quiet moments. And so I think some right now, a lot of, you know, my sister-in-law was like, yeah, I got a new job. I was like, oh, you got a new job? Yeah. What? Like you got a new job. Like right now she's like, yeah, I'm now a teacher <laughs> for my daughters. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so she was like joking around, like, she's like, this homeschooling thing kind of sucks. But, you know, I, I get it because a lot of people, especially the ones with children of school age kids, you know, in during that time when their kids would normally be at school, they're, you know, surrounded in if the kids aren't old enough to like actually do the learning on their own. Um, it's challenging. So just like, just see if you can carve out just even a few minutes a day to have some time for yourself. I think it's important. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, well, and anything, anything that you're super excited about for the future of your businesses, anything that is working for you right now that might be a little gold nugget for someone? Um, so what, what I'm really excited about is uh, Creatives Rule the World. Uh, I'm writing a book and I'm going to eventually have a creativity type assessment come out, which is really exciting. I've developed a signature talk around it. And I also have a download um, that you can grab for creative founders or visionaries, uh, called the visionary code. And it's just an audio download five simple tips to like protect your creativity. And uh, I'll send you the link so people can grab that. Yeah. Um, yeah I'll put it in the show notes. 
And the other thing that is working really well right now, because I was just like, you know, I was nervous too about my business. You know, we have a high ticket coaching program. I was worried that people were just going to like bail out and everyone was going to just cancel. And I was like, that's why I was just like, you know, this is when you need it the most. I'm like really amazed at how the designers have risen up. And um, so we've had to think a little bit differently because about the kinds of stuff that we were doing. And I'm like, you know what, I've been seeing this a lot. I'm going to just try it. I don't know if it's going to work. So we started releasing these low price point little bundles of goodness to help people just um, get something done in their business. So the first one that we did was an email marketing bundle because I know that that's a huge uh, sticking point for my audience is that they, uh, when it comes to sending emails, they get stuck, like what to write or like how to design it and all the things. So we created that. And then we just relaunched on pre-order a virtual trunk show bundle because that it's working so well right now. So we're going to be dropping like a bundle a month and just testing it out and seeing how our audience uh, reacts because there's so many little like tiny things that we can create in a compact system that they can just take and implement. And so um, for your people listening to this podcast, you know, think about what you could do for yourself. Like if you're creating, developing information, what's a small offer that you can create or if you have a product, what is like something that you can offer your audience that's maybe, um, you know, at a, not necessarily to like re reduce your price point, because I don't think that that's really the answer here, but something that like would make an impact now. Like this was not something that I really advised, but a lot of the designers in our community started making masks because they know how to sew. And so it was a great way for them to like, kind of, you know, sell. they couldn't like one of our designers, uh, Liza, she opened it up. She's like, just put it out on her Facebook page and sold 50 in one day. She had to basically market sold out because she's like, I don't even know how I'm going to make all these masks. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can think about, but think about what your audience and what can you offer them in like some sort of bundle, bundleized kind of format and test it and see, see what you can put out there. And it's a great way to kind of bring in a little extra revenue and serve people where they are. I love that idea. Awesome. Super cool. Well, and if people want to um, see more from your you and your businesses, where are some places they can find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, yeah feel free to say, I'll, I'll link everything in the show notes. Okay, cool. So you can find me on Instagram at Tracy Matthews NY. And then if you're a jewelry designer, you can find us at Flourish and Thrive Academy or flourishthriveacademy.com. And if you'd like to check out the visionary code, you can head on over to um, Creatives Rule the World dot com forward slash vc and download it right there love it well thank you oh, and listen to my podcast i forgot thrive by oh. design <laughs> yeah. and it's on um apple podcasts and basically anywhere podcasts are listened to love it that's thrive and design thrive by design thrive by design awesome well thank you so much for being on the porch cast i really loved uh getting to know more of your story and the way that you're helping designers uh jewelry designers all over the country and the world um yeah thank you for being on today thank you so much for having me this was a blast you're welcome all right well we will talk soon make sure you check out um tracy and i'll link all of her links in the show notes um and thanks for listening to the porch cast <laughs>